Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're glad you're back with us this Tuesday. We're going to be talking to two people from the Chamber of Commerce, two very different chambers of commerce, actually. Chris Young, who's president of the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce, and Margot Dorfman, who is CEO of the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce. But before we get to our guests, I'm going to speak with Lou Wise, a co-host and a sponsor of the show through All Metals and Forge Group. Lou, how are you today? Uh, doing great. Doing great. Uh, thanks for uh, the introduction. Uh, and why don't we uh, get right to it? Uh, uh, last week, uh, I, I would highly recommend that uh, uh, the audience listen to that show. Uh, we started a new segment, uh, which hopefully will be a regular. Uh, it's called Manufacturers. Uh, MTR's International Correspondent Economic Global Review. We're probably going to shorten that so no one has to remember it. Point is that we had three uh, correspondents, uh, one in Shanghai, Chung Wang, Roy Slow in the EU, and Chad uh, Moutre here in the U.S., Chief Economist for NAM, or otherwise known as National Association of Manufacturers. And they, they collectively talk about uh, the economy uh, globally, what's happening uh, or what's not happening or who's telling the truth or who's not. Uh, great stuff. Uh, I'd like to hear your comments on it. Go to mfgtalkradio.com. It was last week. Uh, I'm sorry, this week. and Wrong. Last Tuesday. Sorry about that. And uh, interesting show. Uh, on the news front, um, we have uh, a situation going on here in the United States where 20 states are suing the U.S. Department of Labor because the U.S. Department of Labor has now passed a law allowing uh, full-time executives, administrative assistants, professional workers, making less than $47,000 a year to be entitled to overtime pay starting December 1st, 2016. Um, gee, I wonder, does that include prison slavery managers who make 16 cents an hour? I don't know. We'll have to do some research on that, Tim. Uh, yeah, they, they, they must have an executive on the floor of a prison or, or somebody that acts like one. So anyway, yeah, the law says that um, they are entitled to overtime. And Texas, which is the leading state, has submitted a uh, case uh, regarding the uh, – it's the case of Nevada versus the Department of Labor, U.S. District Court, Eastern District of Texas, and Sherman County. And they are going to make a big deal over this. They're talking about uh, lost income, lost jobs, uh, and all kinds of dastardly things that uh, might happen or might not. It's a story that we really need to uh, – follow a bit and uh, stay on top of it. It, it, That affects a lot of people, 20 states. So moving moving on from that, um, XM Bank, well, that just keeps on struggling to crawl its way to the finish line. 
and the uh, Congress has initiated a CR, a congressional resolution, to try and bypass the one man, Senator Richard Shelby, uh, who is against uh, improving the uh, dollar value of loans for XM Bank, causing us to have lower exports, causing us to have less jobs and all kinds of related situations. Um, and if you are, all any of you are involved in this or understand it or realize the magnitude of this and you have strong opinions to do something about it, I strongly suggest that you call Richard Shelby, Senator Richard Shelby. His phone number, I have it happen, happen to have it here. His phone number is 202-224-5744. And if anybody would like to email him, info at Shelby for senatecom Let him know what you think about his one-man stand against the entire manufacturing sector of the United States. Richard, I hope you get a lot of emails and phone calls, and you can send the thank you note to Weiss at steelforge.com or Weiss at mfgtalkradio.com. Love to hear from you. Matter of fact, I vaguely remember, Richard, that we asked you to be on our show uh, and talk about XM Bank and what your true feelings are about why you're not supporting American manufacturing. Uh, I'm here. Give me a buzz. Uh, Tim? Thanks, Lou. We're going to be speaking with Chris Young, who is the president of the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce. It's a rather interesting story how the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce came to be. Chris, how are you today? I'm very well, Tim. And yourself? Good, thank you. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. And good morning, Chris. Good morning, Lou. How are you? All right. Not hanging out in any emergency room uh, in the middle of the night anymore or lately? (laughs) Uh, No, not since the last time I... (laughs) I... I had a visitor here from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I must admit uh, that we had, I had the longest business meeting I've ever had. It lasted 11 hours, four hours over dinner, and seven hours in the ER in Boardman, Ohio. It was one of my more, one of my more uh, uh, interesting interviews I've ever had. Uh, well, listen, you know, it was long. It was a pleasure. You know, the circumstances uh, might not have been exactly what we'd have hoped for, but the company was great, so I'm not complaining. I, I stand with you on that. Uh, Tim? Well, Chris, you uh, and I have spoken about the American Small Business Chamber of mm-hmm. Commerce, and I was rather fascinated with how it came to be. I wonder if you would share that with our audience. Sure, Tim. So... The American Small Business Chamber of Commerce came about um, through, funny enough, the United States Women's Chamber of Commerce. So we had um, what we called the National Association of Small Business Contractors, um, which was uh, partnered up with the United States Women's Chamber of Commerce. And this was back in 2003, 2004, I'm I'm guessing. Um, And... We noticed that um, we were getting a fair amount of males 
uh, coming to our summit as well as well as the uh, the, the female owners of the businesses. Um, and so we started asking questions, um, you know, why they were attending and, and you know, what brought them there. And um, through their responses, we learned that, um, you know, they were interested in what we were teaching the uh, women through the United States Women's Chamber of Commerce and also that some of them worked for women-owned companies and were breaking out on their own or had, had recently broken out on their own um, and liked, you know, the programs that we were, that we were uh, presenting to them. So through this National Association of Small Business Contractors, um, like I said, we, we interviewed our, our members and we found out that there were other issues along with the federal contracting um, that we were uh, pushing that the small business owners were really concerned about. Um, and then we uh, changed the name. We realized that there was bigger than just the federal contracting issues, so we changed the name in September 2011 to the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce. Um, and we're now, you know, focusing on small business issues in addition to the federal contracting piece. So that's well, Chris, really how we came how we, how we came about. Okay, Chris, did it spin out of the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce and it's now a standalone uh, organization? Yes, it is. Uh, 501C6 Trade Association. Okay. Um, and we are on our own, yes. Okay. Now, I have to get a feel for uh, uh, membership. Do you? Can you share membership numbers? You don't have to, but if you care to, I'd love to hear. Not a problem. We have over 200,000 members represented in all 50 states and approximately 50-50 uh, uh, male versus female owners. Wow, it's a substantial membership. Quite impressive. Yep. yep. Now, in terms of what the chamber does, is it an advocacy group? What's your role and function for the American small business? Well, first and foremost, to be a voice. Um, you know, we what we're fighting for is an influential seat at the table of American leadership. Um, you know, we're fighting for job creation, uh, policies and practices that support our businesses, our communities, and our families. Okay. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask uh, your website address, so feel free to share that with everyone. Okay, that's no problem. So that's www.americansbcc.org. Okay, great, great. Well, this is, sounds like a very powerful organization. The size of the businesses, uh, how do you uh, measure a small business? How do you determine... Uh, their size, Chris? So um, we pretty much go by um, SBA standards. Okay. Um, you know, um, I believe it's depending upon, of course, it's industry uh, specific. So um, if you're in the construction industry, it's different versus, you know, you're a um, small mom and pop shop, you know, local. Um, mm -hmm. But I, 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 I believe it goes based on dollar value and uh, number of employees. So, okay. you know, we're, we're pretty standard along with everybody else um, as far as that's concerned. 
Uh, Chris, let me ask you a, a quick question here. Uh, you've got a, a quarter of a million uh, members, and uh, aside from the fact that they are members, what is your uh, organization's uh, direct contact and communication with your membership uh, so that uh, the small business owners know that they, there's somebody out there listening to the hoofbeats on the planes and reporting it back to membership. Uh, how, how are you doing that? So, so if I'm understanding correctly, the question is how are we communicating what's what's happening with small businesses Correct. to our members? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we do that in several different ways. Okay. So, um, the big thing that I would say right off the bat is uh, we have several throughout the year spring, summer, fall summits in Washington, D.C. We talk about uh, it, it, it's a learning um, experience for the business owner um, in the sense that we talk a lot about uh, small business contracting with, with government agencies. Um, but we also talk about issues that are relevant to the small business owners. Um, and also, we've been doing for quite a few years now um, where we go and meet our uh, legislators. During our summit, we set aside time for our members, and we go over there with them. We walk them through it. Um, we give them instructions on how to do it, and then we go over there with them, and they meet their congressional leaders. And that is a big, big plus. And why is that a big plus? Because that, that small business owner gets their name out there, they get to meet their government, their local government official, um, and they get to talk about the issues that matter to them. And, and, that, and that's what it's all about, talking to your local right, official, right? right? Talking to your local official, Correct. you may be doing it in Washington, D.C., nonetheless, right? Uh, but you're telling him about issues that matter to you. So when he's, he's voting on whatever it is, you know, that he needs to do, deal with in D.C., he's remembering, oh, I just saw Mary or Joe or Tom, and, you know, they're, they're a small business owner in my community, and they have a concern about this issue that we're talking about right now. If you don't go, if you don't talk to your your uh, local officials, they don't know these things. So I would say that would be one of the biggest parts um, uh, or or uh, advantages I see of participating in our uh, our summits. We also do education and um, you know uh, connecting, networking online. We have uh, webinars all the time. Um, and you can see the schedule is up on the website, um, so we do that. Um, and we, you know, email and through social media we connect with our constituents. Um, so we're out there, we're active, we're listening. Uh, and, I, and also one thing I do want to point out here is that we are non-captive, and this is important. We don't take dollars from large corporations or other such institutions that will later ask us for our, you know, uh, member list and market to them or, or whatever the case may be. And the reason we don't do that is because we want to hear what our members have to say and we want to be 
fighting and advocating for our members, not somebody who's putting dollars in the in, in you know in the uh, accounts. And that's when, important to us. When you uh, take a particular uh, position or stand from your uh, small business members, and you take it before a, a congressional person. Uh, whether it's senator or congressman, uh, what what is the uh, bottom line reaction and or response? Are is is the story uh, that you're presenting? Is it internalized? Do they do things? Have they been doing things for you? As you and everyone else is aware that this is, period has been a very dysfunctional time frame with regards to our Congress. So I'm wondering on a one-on-one basis as opposed to uh, congressional votes and so on. On a one-on-one basis, are you finding that you are getting positive reaction and response to some of the issues? I would say absolutely yes. Um, and I will, uh, I will quantify that by saying the United States Women's Chamber of Commerce, and um, I'm going to guess on the year here, but I'm thinking it's around 2005 to 2007 maybe, sued the SBA for not implementing the Women's Procurement Program and won. That's mm-hmm. one issue. A one time mm-hmm. that we, did, we, 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 we were successful. Another time recently that we were successful is um, we – the. NDAA National Defense Authorization Act um, that was recently that was recently um, updated. Um, uh, we were able and successful at getting specific wording added to that. Okay. Um, so. And you know, so we we definitely we. We feel that we definitely have the um, uh, the influence that we need to have in order to accomplish, uh, you know, our members' concerns and issues, or, or bringing them up and having results from that, from those uh, suggestions, comments, whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think I think we're doing uh, a great job. And also, you know, um, Margot Dorfman, the CEO of the United States Women's Chamber of Commerce, has testified um, in Congress herself many times. We've had many um, small business owners testify on no- a number of issues in front of uh, Congress and the committees, and um, and hundreds of letters have been sent by our members re- regarding small business issues to mm-hmm. their local uh, officials. Well, I'm glad to hear that they are uh, at least having a positive effect. Uh, yeah. And actually, I, I have spoken to uh, um, uh, Margot Dwarfman myself, and I heard mm-hmm. some of the things that you just mentioned. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I, I gather that you are making inroads. You are making uh, uh, some very positive uh, uh, steps in getting the message out and getting changes uh, to help your. 250,000 member uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's uh, that's fabulous. Um, In fact, uh, we're going to have Margot on the show here in uh, about uh, 10 or 12 minutes. She'll be joining us to talk about the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce. But, Chris, 
Um, anything upcoming uh, soon here that uh, our listeners should know about so if they come and take a look at the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce and say, gee, there's an event that I, that I didn't realize was out there and I want to attend that? Yeah, sure. Well, actually, next month we have our fall conference, um, and uh, it is in Washington, D.C. It will be on the, yeah, I'm on the wrong page here, sorry. Give me one second here. I believe it's on the 20th. Okay, so it starts the 19th with a FedCon optimization workshop, and this is great for people who are just getting into the federal contracting uh, market space, um, mm-hmm. and we we have we have uh, Vicki Hawthorne, who is a 30-year uh, veteran of federal government service um, with the uh, DLA, the Defense Logistics Agency, um, and she provides this FedCon optimization workshop. Uh, Vicki is excellent. She has the experience, the knowledge. She brings in the right people to uh, talk to the the folks that you know come in for this program. And really, you walk out of there and you you know one of two things: one, you're ready for this, or two, you're not ready for this. And that's just as important as being ready for it because, you know, uh, federal contracting is um, a, a not an easy thing to accomplish and be successful at. So if you're not ready to give, you know, 100% of what you need, um, it's better to find out in this type of a program. Um, but this is a very, um, very, you know, complete program, and uh, you, you'll know. You'll know right then and there whether this is for you or, or not. So we start out we start out the summit with that, and then the next day, the following day, is the National Small Business Fed, Federal Contracting Summit, where you'll you'll you can there'll be speakers there from the agencies, you know, telling you about updates about their uh, their forecasts. Um, you know, uh, they'll be telling you, um, you know, things like how to do business with their agency. Or a more specific, if, you know, if it's for a uh, more in, de- in, de- in detailed uh, project that they're working on, um, they'll, they'll they'll be telling you those things. So we have a, a great lineup of speakers for that. And then the most important, well, I I'm a little bit opinionated here, but uh, <laughs> I, I think okay. the most I, I think the most value, or one of the most valuable parts of of the summit is the one-on-ones that you get with the agency. Um, uh, officers. Um, so we have, and you can see this right on the website, there's a full list of who's attending, what agencies are going to be there. And, um, you know, I've been doing this for almost 15 years now, um, going down to these summits um, and and helping small businesses connect with what whatever it is they need. And i got to tell you, I love this part of it, the one-on-ones. The business owner gets right in there with the contracting officer or the head of the department, whatever, whoever's sitting at the table across from them, and they get real information from the people that they want to get information from. It's uh, always a full house in this part of the uh, the summit. So, um, yeah, I, I believe, and I've heard stories that people 
are actually getting something out of it and they're coming back to me the next time or sending me an email a few weeks later or a few months later and say, hey, I met this so-and-so at the summit um, through the, you know, for this agency, and now I'm on, you know, I got a contract out of them. That's, that's what it's all about, gentlemen. Chris, I'd like to uh, suggest that you send us a list of your events, and we will be happy to post it in our uh, new section called New uh, Events, uh, Organization Events, and we'll be happy mm-hmm. to post uh, what it is, time, place, and so on, so that uh, our listeners and uh, uh, readers of our website can uh, make note of it and uh, perhaps take advantage of it. So send that to us by email, and we'll be happy to post it for you. Thank you very much, Lou. We, we, we really appreciate that. Chris, I'm also curious if you do anything in the world of uh, helping small businesses understand how to get into exporting their products. Uh, well, I'll say this. I don't believe we've done anything specific to that mm-hmm. at this point, um, but that's certainly something that if enough of our members came to us and said, hey, you know, we want to learn how to export, um, that's a program that we would, I'm sure, be happy to facilitate. Well, I'm curious because you mentioned that in a, in a vein of we're listening to our members, which is terrific. What do you hear back from your members about being members of the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce? And, yes, you can blow your horn a bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, we hear back that people are happy that somebody's actually sticking up for small businesses. Um, there are plenty of organizations out there, um, but and as a small business owner myself, um, I can totally relate to you get lost in the shuffle. Um, and at the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce, that's not the reality of it. Um, we're taking, we're listening to our members. We're we're hearing what they're saying. We're taking. Um, you know, uh, making assessment of, of of what they're saying, and then bringing those issues and making them forefront um, to the people that need to hear about them. So I think that is um, very important, and that's what we hear back from our members that they like. They like that we stand up, um, we take their issues, we make them we make them a concern to the people that need to hear about it. Um, and in the background, we're doing the little things that help them to succeed. Uh, one of the things that one of the things we're working on right now is a marketplace, um, and we are um, hoping to have that up and running soon. And um, that's going to be just another thing where small business owners can connect with one another, help support one another, make our voice stronger, and. Um, you know, move forward. Be successful. Before, before we before we part, before we part, I want to make sure that you give us your uh, URL address for uh, the org, uh, mm-hmm. so our listeners can take advantage of that. Sure. Okay. So it's www.americcansbcc.org. So American 
sbcc.org. And do you have a Terrific. newsletter or some uh, communication vehicle, what they used to call a house organ, I don't know if they call that anymore, but that goes out to your membership? I'm sorry, what is that again? Uh, a, a communication piece that goes out on uh, uh, any regular basis to your membership? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yes, we have a newsletter that goes out. Um, I believe it's a weekly newsletter. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's pretty Can I put you guys on the list? <laughs> sure. We'd be glad to receive you, it. You, you bet. I, I must read about 50 to 100 email newsletters now. What's, what's another one or two? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Anything else, Chris, that you want to share with our listeners before we go to commercial break? We really appreciate having you on the show, and uh, we would like to you to give our listeners anything else that you think they ought to know about the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce? Well, first I want to say thank you to both you, uh, Tim and Lou, uh, for having us on the show today. We really appreciate the opportunity to get the name out there and to let people know that uh, we're really working hard for uh, small businesses in this country. Um, And we hear what they're saying, and we all of us here at the at the chamber, both the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce and the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce, are small business owners. We get it. We hear you. And we're going to do something about it um, as we have been in the past. So we're, we're here. Come join us in uh, D.C. In next month. And if you can't make it to D.C., like I said, there's um, many opportunities for you to connect with us um, and learn uh, how to how to uh, do business with the federal government or just about small business issues on our website. And uh, we are also listening to you through social media, so you can check us out on Twitter or Facebook as well. Great. Thank you, Chris. We've been uh, speaking with Chris Young, who is the president of the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce. And coming up, we're going to be speaking with Margot Dorfman, who is the CEO of the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it. And it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290.
Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're back, and we're going to be speaking with Margot Dorfman, who is the CEO of the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce. This was the organization that the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce spun out of, and we would like to welcome Margot to the show. Thanks for being with us, Margot. Thank you for having me. Hi, Margot. Hello. We certainly look forward to this uh, chat. Uh, Margot, I would like you, if you would please, to give our listeners kind of a – it can be longer than an elevator pitch. What is the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce? Well, the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce is the National Economic Development Organization for Women. We are a 501c6 not-for-profit trade association based in Washington, D.C., and our focus is uh, real progress, and we use a 360-degree strategy to drive change. Our first strategy was to remain non-captive, so while um, we have uh, 500,000 members nationally. We are not funded by large corporations that seek to market to our members or maybe mm-hmm. to take over uh, our policy issues. Uh, instead, we rely on our members who are individual small businesses and small business advocates. And as we discuss um, through the conversation today, I'm sure there will be more of our strategies that pop out of how we are uh, working to advance economic growth for women and small businesses. Great. Now, you have published some reports showing where women are today with uh, with their career paths and uh, ownership in business. Can you share some of the findings from those? Absolutely. Um, we we have actually published um, a number of reports, but I'd say the two most recent that really highlight women from an economic standpoint um, are the women's economic priorities and then um, – than another report called the Wake Up Call Report. Um, First, I'd like to also, hopefully you have uh, male listeners who are listening, and and let them know that this is just as important to the male listener as to the female listener. Uh, The challenges that women face impact their families, uh, and also um, the economics if uh, either uh, your wife isn't making as much money um, as she could be, then that affects your uh, economics. Or in down in retirement, uh, if you suddenly have a problem where your mother wasn't being taken care of uh, financially, then you may end up having to pay for supporting her as well. So this is really a family concern, and it's also a community concern. So let me go back to the women's economic priorities, and that highlights the contributions that women have made in America, um, and it outlines that kind of our current condition and states clearly that the you know where we have been, and it takes us from um, the roles women play uh, play from. Uh, being in college into uh, whether they're a woman worker or have their own business into uh, motherhood if they go that path and all the way through to retirement. And so um, that really, um, some of the things that we've seen from that are some good news. We have good news, bad news. Uh, Good news is that um, we have seen since 1970, if no women had joined the workforce, then the gross domestic product of our country would be 75% of its current size. Uh, We do have a record 40% of households with children under the age of 18 that include mothers uh, who are either the sole or primary source of income for the family. Uh, and that share was just 11% in 1960. 
Uh, women now own 36% of all U.S. firms and employ 15.9 million Americans. And then women uh, control 85% of consumer, consumer purchasing, and that's up to $15 trillion annually. And we also control the vote. 53% of the votes cast in 2012 election were cast by women. So uh, uh, we, we celebrate our contributions. Unfortunately, the report also shows that we are very undervalued. We still do not have fair pay. We're only at 79 cents per dollar. We also, um, while we have 36, we own 36 percent of all firms in the United States, we only produce, our receipts are only 4.23 percent of all U.S. revenues, and that leaves us with an annual loss of $10 trillion. And this is where I stop and say, how many of you want some of that? <laughs> because I sure think we deserve it. Uh, and then the other thing is we see women live an average of six years longer than men, and more than half of the elderly women uh, widows now living in poverty were not poor before the death of their husbands. Uh, women have held only 53 cabinet uh, or cabinet-level appointments in the history of the nation, so we've got some challenges there. And uh, women um, held only 99 or 18.5% of the 535 seats in the 113th Congress, and it's, it's gone down. Um, so we, we have some disparities. When we take a look at the wake-up call report, that really focuses in more uh, closely on to women business owners. And what we find is that I mentioned, you know, the – 10 million women-owned firms, 36% of all firms, our revenues at only 4.23%, the loss of $10 trillion annually. Additionally, we see 70% of women-owned firms have annual receipts of less than $25,000, and only 10% of women-owned firms have employees. And when you get into women of color, we see that that um, number uh, is significantly smaller. So women of color own 28% of all women-owned firms, but secure only 14% of revenues. Um, the report also did get into women manufacturers, so I thought I should share that with you all. Uh, women own um, uh, 139,000 or so manufacturing firms, which represents 23.67% of all firms. Um, however, women-owned manufacturing firms produce only 2.11% of all revenues. Uh, and so there's a big disconnect. And unfortunately, man the manufacturing industry shows one of the lowest receipts for women-owned firms. And of course, we understand um, that manufacturing in the United States is difficult anyway, uh, given the um, offshoring unicorn situations. But because women-owned firms face additional challenges, it, it's even harder for women-owned firms to um, get ahead in that space. So, Margo, I heard the good news. I heard the bad news. Are you plus or minus? <laughs> well, yeah, we're we're pretty minus. <laughs> it's uh, unfortunate, um, and and uh, folks always, uh, have often said, oh, well, you know, we, we don't want to hear doom and gloom. But what happens is there's a lot of uh, news media spin, especially in the women's right. sector, where isn't it wonderful? This was a few years ago, back during the last census data that came out. Um, we heard, isn't it wonderful? Women-owned firms grew by 44%. When reality it was the uh, 
the number of woman-owned firms that grew by 44%, and their market share decreased by 10%. And so what we do is shed light on what reality is, because you can't fix something if you don't know there's an issue. And what our members tell us is that, thank you for bringing the truth forward. I've been in pain a long time. I thought I was the only one, because all they hear is the good news in the media. Um, and so by bringing forth, here are the challenges, we can say, okay, what do we need to make change? And when we look at economic growth and advancing economic growth for our members um, and women and small businesses across the board, um, we don't just support our members. What's good for a woman, what's good for a woman-owned firm is good for all Americans. So we're here in support of economic growth. And so the key things we're seeing right now Access to capital is a huge issue. Uh, women are far more discriminated against than men. We have access to markets, especially the federal marketplace. Um, we also see the need for education and resources that are not segregated and that really give us the real information. And then other things like affordable childcare. Uh, I always joke around and say, hey, I need a wife. Um, women have two full-time jobs, right? We have the day job, then we have to take care of the family. And uh, sometimes we tack on school on top of that. But reality is um, having affordable childcare would be a great uh, relief to some of the burdens we face. And then raising American incomes across the board because who is who are the consumers? You know, so those are the, some of the things. But when we look at access to capital, um, wh what we found was in 2012, 9.3 small uh, small business administration loans or SBA 7A loans were issued per 10,000 woman-owned businesses um, compared with 24.7 for male-owned small businesses. Um, mm. So there's discrepancy there. Women account for only 16% of conventional small business loans, and these loans account for only 4.4% of the total dollar uh, value of loans in all sources, and just one out of $23 uh, dollars in conventional small business loans goes to a woman-owned firm. So, so what you're saying is that there is uh, quite a disparity between male and female businesses. And, exactly. uh, and we have uh, a potential hidden workforce, which Tim and I have been talking about for quite some time, that women aren't being utilized, number one, as much as they could in manufacturing. Number two, I'm not sure that women are all that up, up caught up to speed as to the type of jobs that they can get in manufacturing. And on top of which, in your particular uh, story, with uh, your membership is that they're going into business and they're not getting equal rights in being in business. So that's uh, that's a huge uh, topic, and I'm glad to hear that you've got the kind of membership that you do uh, to help get that word out. Uh, can you give us your uh, URL address for, so that our listeners can uh, take a look? Absolutely. Um, it is www. <laughs> dot us like sam or s like states uswcc dot org excellent and i and you mentioned you do have a newsletter is there i know there's a name for it uh 
Is there a special sign up for that or um, just if, go to the website? If anybody who goes to the website, we have membership and there it goes from our federal contracting level at 395, our small business level at 199, our advocate level at $35 and then just registrant at no charge. As I mentioned, we support all women and small businesses. So, um that's the and is when you sign up, then you would automatically start receiving our our weekly emails. Um, and yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things that Manufacturing Talk Radio does is we really do the story behind the soundbite. And you you pulled out an interesting soundbite that you know women-owned businesses grew by forty plus percent, and then they didn't tell the other half of the issue. Um, it, it sounds like there's a lot of this in your research, and I'm going to dig into some of these reports because I think this warrants a deeper discussion. Lou and I have been doing a series on prison labor, which really is an undercurrent in America. It's actually it's actually slave labor uh, in the prison system allowed under the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution that most people don't know about. Um, I'd like to talk to you uh, offline and maybe for a second show about some of the issues that women are challenged with. And, and I have a particular question for you. And that is, you know, we hear about uh, the government has to do so much business with women-owned businesses. Is it really happening or is it a myth? Uh, thank you for that question. Um, the answer is unfortunately no. There was a goal established 22 years ago that said women should receive 5% of federal contracts. And when that goal was not being reached, um, the, the Congress passed um, in 2000 the Equity and Contracting for Women Act, which uh, put together a set-aside program for women-owned firms. Unfortunately, we, we started um, – 15 years ago, uh, we started in 2001, and when we came on the scene, and at the time, um, the federal government was doing less than 2% with, with uh, women-owned firms. So we went to all the small business agencies and said, hey, what can we do to help you make your goals? And if they were appointed, they'd shut the door, but they all said the same thing. You know, we have this law in the book. It hasn't been implemented. And so we, you know, started testifying before Congress and talking to the SBA, and we were getting nowhere fast. So we finally ended up suing the Small Business Administration for failure to implement the program. Uh, Eleven years later, it was finally implemented, um, and it still got an issue. And, and their issue is there's this um, – there's this component that allows for self-certification. So you end up with people certifying. There are people that we, we provide uh, third-party certification for the federal government. There are people that we have denied certification, have gone on and self-certified and gotten contracts. In 2012 and 2013, the Government Accountability Office did a little research and found that 40% of the contracts awarded under the program went to ineligible firms. So the, the long story <laughs> is no. Uh, you know, we're, we're not getting our fair share. Um, there is now another law on the books because we, we quickly jumped into uh, fixing that, and Congress assisted by developing H.R. 2452, which got tucked into the 2014 National Defense Authorization Act. 
uh, and that got signed into law, and the SBA has failed to implement that part of the NDAA. They still allow for self-certification. Um, we have been putting pressure on, however, what we decided to do for strategy, and we talked a little bit of strategy. Our next strategy for um, moving forward in the federal government is to make sure we're electing people who represent us. So uh, what we've done is we have IVoteForWomen.org, we have our Women's Economic Priority Report, and then a survey, a candidate survey that we sent out, they answered that. Based on their answers, we've posted ratings and posted their survey and their ratings onto our website. Um, and then if they have met our needs um, and support us fully, then we endorse them. So we, so we have that listed there as well. Uh, then, um, you know, just looking forward, making sure that we are getting our own into office as well. So I, and I ask this, I always say, how many of you have, are in office and usually people don't raise their hands or considered running for office, people don't raise your hands. Well, if not you, then who? And I can honestly say that I have run for office and I serve right now as vice mayor for my community. Um, and I've learned a boatload that I can apply to the, the federal area. Um, but if we don't step forward and start taking care of our own, then that's not going to change. So we do need to make sure we're, if we're not stepping forward, we at least know the issues that are important to us and identify the right people so that we can get them into office and take care of us. Well, knowing the headwinds uh, that women face in starting a business, why, is, why are we seeing an increase in women business ownership in America? Well, and, and I think that goes back to when you take a look at the challenges that women face in, um, as women workers. I mean, there's still not fair pay. Women are still ending up at, what is the latest one, 79 cents on the dollar, whatever it is. Uh, so we're still not gaining there. Uh, we do not have family-friendly work environment. Many women say, hey, I have to take care of my family. I can't do it between, um, you know, I can't do it after 5 and before, before 8 or 9 in the morning. And if I don't have a flexible lunch time, that maybe I take it a different time or a little longer from time to time to take care of the kid to the doctor or what have you. Then there's a issue. So, so there's a lot of you know a need to go out and start their own businesses. Then when you hit the glass ceiling, and you say, why am I spending all this time and energy on something that's not getting me to the next level when I can go ahead and start my own business and move forward? Mm -hmm. So we we do see that large um, number going into business. Um, unfortunately, the reason I think we don't see the rewards is we. We have women getting out into business ownership who may not have chosen to do that to begin with and may not be well-suited, but then you go beyond that, even if they are, they are facing so many barriers with access to capital, access to the contracts, um, affordable uh, benefits so that they can attract or retain um, you know, good, good people. There are a number of barriers that still persist on the outside. And in terms of the, of the disparities that are out there, Margo, other than the ones you have mentioned, what what else is out there? That, and I really want our listeners to, to be hearing um, what the challenges are because they're they're significant. You cover many of them in the two reports that you mentioned. 
Um, what other ones are out there that are kind of big issues? Well, I think when we when we the reports that we look that we posted and that what the numbers that we look at really have to do with women in economics specifically. Um, and so we do see the core is um, access to capital, um, access to the, the uh, federal contracts in the commercial sector. Those are, are big deals. And I think they really are the, the sole purpose. Um, when you take a look at uh, the number I read on women in retirement and, and ending up in poverty, mm-hmm. um, more, you know, where they were not poor before, they, um, you know, started. I think another economic issue that kind of scares me to death is that here we are, we're working hard, we don't make as much as our male counterparts, we live longer, right? Right. And so if if we're not, if we don't prepare ourselves, um, then we are not going to be taken care of in the end. We have to really stop and look at, at our end game to say, okay, what do we need to do today to make sure that we have the retirement savings, that we take time off um, to raise a family or you know, be caregiver to part of our family. We're not feeding money into the Social Security system, so our, our dollars at the end of time will be less there too. So right. I think that's another big issue that personally I'm I'm just scared about for myself. So um, mm-hmm. hopefully we have some younger folks that take a look and get prepared now. So what do you recommend as next steps for our listeners in terms of uh, either assisting them with their business growth or their personal growth or their career growth? Feel free to touch on any or all of those. Sure. Well, I think one of the things I'd like to um, talk about, there's how women are treated anyway, and this, whether a woman or or we talked about some of the manufacturing issues, pick up any segment. Um, there is, when I talk about economic, um, you know, an economic development organization, there are economic development organizations out there that have the ability to control the space. And right now, women are really acting like a target market. Uh, We have the two full-time jobs, and then we are reading the happy headlines. We don't know that there's that much wrong, except we're feeling pain. We're not connected, right? We don't have that connection. So Mm -hmm. what happens is you have uh, some of the large um, – the corporations who want to market to us that will do some good things. Like there was a Walmart who had a class action suit against them. 1.6 million women filed a class action suit against them for failure to pay and promote them fairly. And um, at the time that lawsuit was going, every time something negative came out in the court system, they had positioned themselves on stage with Michelle Obama saying, isn't it wonderful, um, you know, we, we are supporting a green something or healthy something. You know, they were doing something that looked good on the outside when they were the problem on the inside. And that's really what target marketing is about. So if we change that and become a major market force and we come together um, and uh, move forward as a team, then we can make change. So think about, and this this has changed the last couple of years, but think about when we used to talk about OPEC 
And every time you went to the gas tank, who is, you know, fill, fill your gas tank and who's the one that's controlling you is OPEC. The price is going up and down as they deem fit. Well, if we could have that same power, um, then we could make sure that we are driving change in the right way. So what I rec recommend with the U.S. Women's Chamber is we've built that platform. You know, we have a place um, that provides uh, a space to work in a coordinated fashion, which advances our own objectives. We've built our own business and economic structures. We've developed our own resources, and we're acting to protect ourselves. And the more and more people that join us and then also um, take action and sync together, then we're going to see these changes. And, and part of that is a need to uh, change the conversation. We need to make sure that we're changing the position of women in the market and then also leverage our strengths to build new opportunities and then consolidate our gains to push, push forward. Um, when, uh, one of the things also I think that we can do together because we have similar challenges. Um, our members, uh, I would say it's not a quarter are manufacturers. It's really um, we have manufacturers, we have those in construction, technology, and services. And I would say the other three sectors besides manufacturing are pretty evenly split, and then manufacturing is smaller, Just, but that's the makeup, the, the demographics for the U.S. anyway. But because... When we go, um, you mentioned Unicorn, the prison situation, um, we find that's a problem, too. When we are looking at federal contracting, our manufacturers, they have problems because that's what they have to keep, compete against. So I believe that we can come together and um, work on some key issues together that will make it not just one organization or one sector, but two or more, because many of us can come together to, to drive the change. Well, that's great, and uh, we want to thank you for being on the show, Margo, and I, and I think uh, this warrants a, uh, a future discussion, so I think we're going to have an invitation out to you to, to join us again in the near future. Great. Well, thank you. I greatly appreciate the opportunity, Tim and Lou. Thank you very much. Thank you, Margo, and by the way, just one other last point. I think women are smarter than men anyway. So, so. <laughs> well, we have been speaking with uh, Margo Dorfman, who is the CEO of the U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce. And in the first half of the show, we had on Chris Young, who's president of the American Small Business Chamber of Commerce. We encourage our listeners to go check out either of those organizations, both very worthy organizations and have terrific information on them. So we look forward to some of our listeners uh, going and checking out those websites, becoming members of those organizations, and getting involved, whether you're male or female. I know that uh, that uh, they welcome both, but it's the uh, the women that they're really trying to support and help. And uh, we're going to uh, reach out to uh, Margo and have her on a future show to talk about some of these challenge issues. Uh, this is the kind of story that Manufacturing Talk Radio does to keep it alive, to keep it out in front of the the listeners and to keep it in the uh, eye of the community and the politicians so it doesn't just drift out to sea. We will be back next week with uh, another show. Lou, what's our show next week? Uh, on, is that on our, uh, our wrap-up prison labor show? No, actually, uh, prison labor uh, is going to be October 11th. Next week is uh, Brad Holcomb. 
the uh, Institute of Supply Management, I believe. Right. Uh, yes, it is. And we will also have Chris Keel from FMA, Fabricators and Manufacturing Association, to discuss the CMI report for the previous month. So it's uh, numbers week next week. And frankly, I'm hoping that we're going to see some improved numbers on the PMI, uh, which uh, I'm sure the President of the United States sits there patiently waiting for the number to come out at 10 o'clock. We do, too, and uh, we'll be reporting all about it at that time. So uh, that's a wrap, Tim. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.